Welcome to the Hiker Trash Podcast. This is a project of Local Exposure Magazine. My name is Ronnie Pettit, and I'm your host. The Hiker Trash Project began with my curiosity about why people through hike the Appalachian Trail, or any long trail. I wondered why they do it, what they gain from it, and how that experience might manifest itself in their life after the trail. I spent an entire year following, photographing, and interviewing through hikers on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine and all the way back to Georgia. I put all that, those interviews and photographs, into a 200-page coffee table book. And now we're going to continue the project as a podcast. So listen along as we track down some of the people we met along the way and interview new hikers and find out, did that experience change them or... Did it simply provide the context to reveal who they already are? You can find out more about Local Exposure Magazine on the internet at localexposuremagazine.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at local.exposure.magazine. The intro music for today's episode was provided by Scott Lowe. He's a Northeast Georgia-based singer-songwriter. You can find him on Instagram at Songs. Okay, folks, on today's episode of the Hiker Trash Podcast, we are with Cough, Drop, and Dragonfly. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. What do you think about the studio? <laughs> I really like the studio. <laughs> it's awesome. Today, we're recording in a vacant house. Thus far, we've recorded in a hotel room, a garage, the basement of a hiker hostel, and this vacant house, and I think... Probably next to be in the truck. We'll try that. But Well, this kind of gives you the feel of a, a hiker hostel right here. Yeah, it looks like a storage room. I've, I'm using sleeping bags and sleeping pads for uh, soundproofing. We have slept in a lot worse. <laughs> so uh, let's get started with, let's just go straight to your trail names. Cough Drop. Cough Drop. So I am Cough Drop. I was uh, struggling going up the hills, breathing, and... Started eating cough drops. The mentholatum in the, uh, or the menthol in the cough drop opened your airways up. And as I would pass people that were struggling, I would offer them a cough drop. <laughs> like an and, Easter bunny. <laughs> yeah. And I was uh, just handing out cough drops. Did you just happen to have some? Yes. Uh, I forgot where I had actually heard that from. I think Fresh Ground mentioned that in one of his uh, videos, or, or someone had videoed Fresh Ground. And he had mentioned cough drops would open your airways up. Okay. And then as we was doing our hiking, prepping for this, I was uh, I was eating cough drops. So you were eating them for that purpose? You were, I w- you were I, worried about? Strictly breathing. for that purpose, yes. I remember we first met in Damascus. And I the first thing I remember was your southern accent. And I was like, ooh, my people. <laughs> and uh, I remember you talking about your trail name. And you pulled up this baggie, this Ziploc baggie full of cough drops, yep. just like to prove it. Like, here's my cough drops. <laughs> yep. I That's, kept my cough drops all the way then. Just, and I have one right now in my mouth. That is crazy. They are pretty good. Um, how about you, Dragonfly? So, of course, I was struggling in Georgia and I was super slow, but as I got my speed up, I was still slug, like struggling going uphill, but I was getting faster going down. So it was dragging uphill, flying down. The oh, hills. that's cool. Yeah. So most people struggle going down. All right. I mean, it's rough on the knees, I think. It is. But with tracking poles, you can, I mean, it helped me. Well, you don't have the weight that like people like. Us do. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so, um, Jacob's ladder, Stacoya Gap, Jacob's ladder. We had no idea we was on Jacob's ladder. And it is one mile straight up. And we are, I'm going to say three quarters of the way up. Yeah. And 
I, I was pulling ahead of her because she, she really drug going uphill. Well, she said something. And all I heard was wait on me. So I slammed my trekking poles on the ground and I spun around and I said, I'm going to wait on you just as hard as I could, right? <laughs> What she said was, when you get to the top, wait on me. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to the top, we sat down and was eating a snack, and some little young kid come bouncing up through there, no shirt on, just grinning from ear to ear, and he's like, are we at the top of Jacob's Ladder? So I pull my phone out and get to look, and I'm like, oh, it does say Jacob's Ladder. So that was a that was the first of her dragging and then going downhill was gotcha. flying. I remember that section. I remember literally grabbing a tree and pulling myself up and then grabbing another tree and pulling myself up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You use everything you have out there. So uh, let's back up a little bit. Oh, wait. First, in terms of um, your trail names, did you guys participate in that Hippies Project, the uh, trail name Tales? We did. Okay. That's awesome. We met her in, uh, well, we actually did it with her in Hot Springs. Was it Hot Springs? Yes, yes, Hot yeah. Springs. We, um, she, she took our picture and interviewed us in Hot Springs. Mm-hmm. Nice. Her book should be, she told me that her book is going to the printer for a test copy this week. So maybe by oh, first awesome. of the year it should be ready. So for listeners, if you want to check it out, uh, go on Instagram to at Trail Name Tales. Pretty cool project. So let's go back to um, before the trail. What were you guys doing, like, job-wise, life-wise, and stuff like that? Um, So I've been in transportation um, most of my career. I actually drove a truck a lot of it. And in 2014, I moved into an office, took on a uh, training safety role. and I didn't like it. Mm. I did not. The 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 office just wasn't nothing I enjoyed. And then uh, Dragonfly, what'd you do? I work in an office at a car dealership and accounting doing billing. Um, and I hate being in an office. Well, how did I still hate it? How did uh, the Appalachian Trail come in your mind and and the idea that like that sounds like something we should do? So we we got three kids. Um, and our oldest is 33. So I'm going to say for 30 years, we did our life around kid things. Once our youngest one got old enough to where she become that little person that lived in the back of the house and didn't want to have nothing to do with us. Um, me and Dragonfly started adventure and stuff that we wanted to do. And that led us to, to, to hiking. And it was a lot of day hikes and, um, going to vistas and waterfalls. And, um, we, we just enjoyed the outdoors. Do you live near stuff like that? Or do you have to drive? Um, distance? we're about an hour and a half from Springer mountain. Okay. So, you know, in, in a day's time, we could be up in North Georgia, North Carolina, and, um, uh, you know, years ago I had actually met a guy that, um, had hiked the Appalachian trail and I had put it in a back burner, right? It had just kind of escaped my mind. And the more time we spent up in the, in the mountains and was, you know, just hiking some sections of the Appalachian trail. And this is just day hikes. We started seeing through hikers that turned us on to some YouTube stuff. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then that led into... <laughs> That's a gateway drug. <laughs> it is. It is. And then that led into the whole, you know what? We're going to do this. Our anniversary is March 23rd. And my youngest one was going to be graduating high school. A year later, March 23rd, me and her set out on the Appalachian Trail wow. on our anniversary. How many years have you been married? 22. So 22. we started on the wow. 22nd of March. And we were married 22 years that day. That's awesome. So did you have to, or did you just like quit jobs? Yep. Or, yeah, we just. We we quit our jobs, but our bosses 
on both ends, both of our jobs agreed to let us come back after the trail. Oh, that's sweet. So we both went back to our same jobs. Okay. Yeah, we um, so, so uh, we both give five week notice, right? I mean, we 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 wasn't leaving on bad terms. You know, we was leaving to go on an adventure. We just didn't know it was going to be. It was just a six month vacation. The life adventure <laughs> that we've ended up with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, you know, my, my, my employer, they actually entertained the idea of sponsoring me. Oh, that's cool. You know, but there was a, I'm going to tell you, there's a drawback. They asked for a return to work date and I couldn't give them one because mm. once I give you a return to work date, I'm doing it for you, not me. Nice. So, Protect- so I resigned, she resigned and we both, we both ended up going back to the same companies. That's awesome. So did you uh, do anything in particular to prepare? You said you were watching YouTube, so I, I'm going to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that that's how you got ideas for gear. Is that correct? It is. What about training or physical stuff? Did you do anything different? We are really close to the Penhoney Trail. Um, so we did sections on the Penhoney Trail. Overnighters. Um, I, I went once by myself. I think I did a five night, four, four night, five day, mm-hmm. four, four night, five day by myself. She's went with me or me and her went together, um, a couple of times and we did, you know, three nighters. Um, and we'd researched enough on the Appalachian Trail that we'd figured out that hiking the Appalachian Trail is really long weekend adventures just over and over and over and over and over. Right. Like three, four, five day trips. Three, four, five day trips. Mm-hmm. Then you go resupply and you're right back out on the trail again. Gotcha. So were both of you were equally invested in the from the very beginning or did one of you yes. have to nice. No, we were both all in. That's awesome. And that's what I was talking about the other day with him. People ask us a lot of times, was there ever a moment when we thought we would want to go home like quit and go home that thought never entered our mind like we knew we knew from the beginning we were going to finish unless we got injured and we didn't think about that we just pushed through that you know at first you you hurt your knees hurt and all that but there was never a moment when we was debating quitting and going home do you know anybody that had done the trail before i do um I actually reached out to a guy, a cowboy. He hiked it, and I think he hiked it first in 09, and then he hiked it again in when COVID hit, 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, he owns a uh, bait and tackle store. Um, and from what I understand, um, when COVID hit, everything had to close up. He just throwed on a backpack and said, to hell with it. We're going to go hike the trail again. So he did. Nice. And he was 70 years old when he did it the second Holy time. Holy moly. <laughs> yep. When you, once you got on trail, uh, was there an adjustment period or how long did it take? I guess is the question for you to feel comfortable in like your daily routine and all that stuff. Oh, it took, there was definitely adjustment period. Because even as, if you can research as much as you want, but it's, until you're out there, you don't get the full concept, like, of living out there. I would say, what, I mean, probably two or three weeks before you okay. just, like, submerge into I, it. I think that's pretty average. Yeah, I'm going to say Georgia, we learned a lot. Um. You know, Georgia kicks your butt because you're not, you don't have no, you ain't got no trail legs. You know, you, <laughs> you're still toting stuff that you shouldn't be toting. Um, did you send stuff home? We did. Um, Neil's Gap or later? Helen, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Helen, Georgia. What did you send home? What kind of things did you have that you knew you didn't need? My pillow. I did not need my pillow. Did you use something else for a pillow? Or were you able to sleep with that one? No, I had a a stuff sack with uh, dry clothes in it, 
and that that worked for a pillow. Okay. It's it's perfect for me. Yeah, I also sent my blow up pillow home. It for one to me, it wasn't comfortable and sleeping on your stuff site with your clothes in it, you can like bend it and twist it. Mm-hmm. And it just fits better under mm-hmm. your neck. I also sent home a pair of socks because you know, you, in in your mind you're like well, I got a hiking pair of socks. I've got a sleeping pair of socks. Then I've got a dry pair just in case. Well, you right. know what? When you're in a cloud, ain't nothing dry. Send it home because it's going to get wet. Um, you just need to make sure you have dry clothes to sleep in. So you didn't really lose much weight by sending things home? It, it really wasn't as much as no weight issue. I mean, I might have sent home half a pound. I think mentally, though. It's like I'm carrying something I don't need. It weighs yeah, a ton. It is. It is. It's and 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 that's ninety percent of it is a mental game, you know. Yeah. Um, that's why. Also, at the beginning, when you're at the beginning of the trail up mountain crossings and probably Franklin, the hiker boxes are so full where people's just ditching oh, stuff. Yeah, I bet there's good stuff. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the stuff I've uh, packed out of the Springer Mountain Shelter, like stoves. Yes, and things it's like surprising that. the stuff that people like. I think we did pretty good on stuff we chose to carry to start with. Well, there's some things in the hiker boxes you're like, why? <laughs> did you uh, prepare boxes to mail to yourself, or did you just resupply on the way? So we did do a few, very few uh, resupply boxes to be sent. To us, that was more... It was very hard logistically to get all that planned out. So, yeah, it it didn't it didn't work for us. Yeah, I think we had what three boxes sent. But yeah, the, mainly with shoes. Well, now the shoes we just we would just order our shoes and just have them sent to a post office. But actual prepped resupply boxes I had made up. Oh yeah. Yeah, we that didn't work for us. I remember. Uh, sending out some boxes and just the mental pressure of feeling like I got to be at this post office at within a certain time frame was like completely against what I was doing. And it, yeah. And it's, it's the whole mental thing. You know, I've got to be here at this particular time and there might be something that you want to do before you, because as you're going along that trail, you're going to see vistas that you might want to stop and, and really connect with. Or even the if the weather's perfect, you don't want to get off trail to go catch a package when it's going to rain the next day. You want to like yeah. get off trail when it's convenient, not when yeah. you have to. Most of the people that I've interviewed so far said that at some point they got sick and tired of their boxes anyway. You, yeah. Yeah. It, I think I was in North Carolina when I said I could never eat another t- tortilla wrap. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't even swallow it. I was only in North Carolina. Like with, oh. with tuna in it or something or peanut we, butter? Peanut butter, peanut honey, butter. and tortilla wrap. We was on Chia Bald. <laughs> and she just, she had this disgusting look on her face that said, <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, I can never eat another tortilla wrap again. And... You know, yeah, I, I yeah. finished it. I didn't have no problem eating it. What'd you do from there? Did you just switch to something different? I tried different things. Um, we tried pita breads. And I mean, I just had a hard time with breads in general, you know, packing out. What did I? I ate a lot of dry snacks. Did you eat much? I, uh, did you guys do like instant oatmeal? We didn't even do a lot of oatmeal. No, we did not do a lot of oatmeal. Um I guess we did the protein bars, which you get tired of also. To me, you do. Do you have a favorite meal? Yes. Yeah, I do. What is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might need this recipe. Stovetop stuffing. What? Get a box of stovetop stuffing at Dollar General. And since there was two of us, we would have our Ziploc bags, and I'd pour half in a Ziploc bag, the other half in another one. Get instant mashed potatoes, half and half in a bag. And then when you get your uh, trail mix, get the nuts with cranberry, chocolate ones, you know, just get nuts and cranberries. Add your water. It's cooked. When you throw your nuts and cranberries in it, I like sunflower seeds in it. 
but the cranberries, we called it Thanksgiving one pot. Wow. Okay. No meat. And, and it's, well, you get the chicken stuffed top stuff and it's, oh. It, but we did add a few times, we did add the, uh, the packs of chicken. chicken packs, yeah. All right. I'm going to try that this week. It's like week. Thanksgiving in a bag. Nice. Yeah. That's, um, I'm going to say that was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing we did too is we like would crush up potato chips and just mix them with almost anything we ate. Really, like in ramen for the salt or season. We get different flavors sometimes, like jalapeno. Um, I don't know, like the salty flavors. The just throw them in, yeah, your ramen or anything. Uh, hippie asked me. We went off on a tangent. She just that randomly said, "Have you ever put Doritos in your ramen?" And I was like, yes. "No, but I'm not opposed to it." <laughs> We would get the um, garlic and onion, mm-hmm. potato chips, and I mean, I'd I'd go and buy the family size bag and Dollar General, walk outside, open it up, and just start crunching and crushing. That was our seasoning. Okay. And then, um, like I was still eating tortillas and you know honey and peanut butter on a tortilla, and sometimes I'd sprinkle that just to give it a little. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I've just, just learned something. And it adds so much flavor because there's so many different flavored chips you can try. Yeah, to, yeah, that's yeah. great. I usually add um, loaded baked potato flakes to ramen. Yep. And that just kind of gives like a creamy, yeah, you know, almost like a gravy kind of texture. But So you guys were married for 20-something years. You go on the trail. Before the trail, did you spend a lot of time together? Yes, when we weren't working, we were together, like, doing, I mean, doing just stuff. doing stuff. We was fishing or hiking or just doing outdoor. So y'all so, y'all liked each other. So we, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I've got the best of both worlds. I, I did drive a truck for many of our earlier years mm-hmm. together, and she was mama. And I was in a truck, so she was playing mama, daddy. She was the soccer mom, ball games. You know, I, I missed a lot of birthday parties. I I did miss a lot. Once our kids um, got grown, me and her, it was like we become best friends all over again. Oh, you're gonna make <laughs> me cry. And I mean, I, I've I've I've. One of my best friends in this whole wide world, which I will share this podcast with him so he can listen to it, and I would have to give Dean a shout-out on this. He gives me a lot of slack a lot of times, you know, that I'm with her a lot. But I've even told him, I'd rather, everything I'd rather, everything I do, I'd rather do it with her. Wow. Relationship and goals. And that's, uh, that's kind of... Like, I think, I feel like that's rare. I mean, it seems I think, rare. I think, I felt like... More people, like like when we were hitching or whatever, and we saw people in town or whatever, that was one of the biggest questions was, how do you do it? How do you stay together every day for six months? Well, were, were there any adjustments? Did you have to, like, do things different or figure out a new way to communicate chores and when you feel bad or feel good or, you know, back off or whatever? The, 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 I mean, there was definitely the struggle, right? We, I, I tell you about Jacob's Ladder. I mean, I was like slamming trekking poles in the in the ground, and you know, it was more at the beginning that we struggled. It, it, it was, it was, it was more in the beginning. Um, yeah. then it become the when I had a bad day, she couldn't have a bad day. She was to pick me up. If she had the bad day, I had to be the pick me up, and we helped each other. So, did you like notice like? Okay, I notice you're having a bad day, so I'm just gonna like, you know, flex myself and toughen it up and 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 you know take I, up the slack. Yeah, I knew when I had to uh, like unspoken. Yeah, it was unspoken, but I knew when I had to, you know, not literally reach out and put my arms around her and hug her, but I had to emotionally carry. And she was the same way. You know, she would have to push me, know when to stop pushing. And we helped each other. I mean, I met a lot of people, and I was very surprised at how many people became couples on the trail. I, I've never oh, experienced that. But 
I kind of made a joke that if you can hike the Appalachian Trail with someone, you're compatible. Yeah. I agree because you're like stinky and gross and in your worst moments. Yeah. <laughs> and you're seeing it all. I mean, you're pooping in the woods and going four days without a shower. I didn't have no problems pooping in the woods. <laughs> I prefer it. You can't stop up a cat hole. Nah, you yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Did you have uh, like set chores? Like when you get to camp, do you do one thing, she does another, kind of just on automatic pilot? Yep. Um, we suddenly hit camp. You know, I, I I took over the tent and she started prepping the um, food. We We drank a lot of coffee. We drank coffee every morning, every night. And usually while I'm setting the tent up, she's making the coffee. And then once the tent's up, and she'll have the food kind of out, I'll start cooking the food. She jumps in the tent and starts pumping the mats up. She's getting out of her clothes. It got to the point where I just, the clothes I had on, I just, they was on. That's all I had. <laughs> they just stayed on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there um, becomes a point where you really lose that care. Like, yeah, if just, I'm not wet, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I I'll tell you a little side story. I was hiking with my buddy, and we shared gear, and we shared a tent. And uh, so we were in the tent at night, you know, laying side by side, and our sleeping bags and our journal, reading in our journals, headlamps and whatever. And I uh, I like repositioned and like lifted my sleeping bag so I could like roll over. And when I let the the bag back down, it just, it just pushed this wave of air right across him. And he just, (laughs) he just turned to me and goes, damn, what do you got in there? A trout. (laughs) Oh, so funky. You get used to it, I guess. You you do. You do, but you know, it's there still, but you do get used to it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite section or state mine would definitely be Maine and it's not just because you know you've almost accomplished the whole trail I don't know though the whites that's a hard question the whites what about a favorite moment or like a you know particular spot that was just magical Mm. man I mean my my mind's going a million miles an hour right now but definitely when Franconia Ridge was Almost spiritual. It was like wow. hard not to cry Most, when you stood uh, up there. Several people have said the same thing. It's just, it's like you cannot make somebody you can't you can't make somebody know that feeling until they, like they have to do it themselves. Like, it's it's beautiful. Franconial Ridge was definitely one. It's it's in the very top of the favorites, and like she said, it's uh. It, it was a spiritual um, overwhelming. It was yeah. it lets you know how little and fragile you are and what's out there. And then we went to uh right before Washington, we, we actually got lucky and, and did uh Work for stay at uh, Lake of the Clouds. Mm-hmm. And that was another, that evening, that sunset, it was worth every bit of the pain just to watch that sunset mm. from Lake of the Clouds. And then knowing that we had Washington, what, mile and a half in yeah. front of us the next morning, mm-hmm. that was worth it. And we got lucky. Um, Mount Washington's known for the weather just, you know, changing within moments. But the, we literally we had good weather all through the whites, which we did get off trail for one storm and go back. But, I mean, I think we were super lucky because we had a lot. Like, while you're in the middle of this adventure, you know, part of the book idea was to ask people what they got out of it. Um. Did you have any preconceived notions about what you thought you were going to gain from that hiking the Appalachian Trail? And were you right? Did you, or was it something different? Different for me. I thought that, um, I thought it was going to help me physically, which it did. 
I end up losing like 50 pounds. But it's more of, um, everybody's going to tell you that the trail changed you, but I think you said it best. The trail didn't change you. The trail just made you realize what you needed to change in your life. And, and it opened up a lot of stuff that, um, that needed to be changed. And it's made me a, uh, made me a better person. Several people have commented that just being in the trail community and that kind of openness or acceptance uh, has, you know, literally kind of changed their outlook and restored their faith and humanity in some way. You know, we met people, man, we met thousands of people and we met really good people. In Georgia, we hiked with a guy, um, Mavericks, his trail name. I remember. And uh, we, he was coming off trail, and we switched, we swapped numbers, and um, he told me his real name, and uh, said we'd find each other on Facebook. And he's uh, an extremely large customs attorney. From West Palm Beach, Florida, but out on trail, you'd never. He he looked just oh, wow. like the normal hiking guy. Is he hiking the PCT or CDT this year? No, okay. no, he's um he does section hikes. He's not he he he's just going to section hike it. Um, we hiked several miles, about fourteen hundred, you know, off and on with a a guy named Can Do. Met Candu in Georgia. Actually, we met Candu the same day we met Maverick, mm-hmm. and uh, we was talking about blood pressure pills. And Candu's the one that told me this. He suggested I not take my blood pressure pills. But in my mind, I'm thinking, "What the hell does he know? He's not my doctor." <laughs> we're on up in Tennessee, Virginia, 400 miles. We're 400 miles in the trail. We was in Virginia because yeah, was in Virginia. It was, yeah. And uh, I ended up passing out on her. Wow. My blood pressure had dropped so much. And all in that same time, we find out that Candu is a physician. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if I knew this in Georgia, I might want to listen to the whole don't take blood pressure pills. Yeah, that was the scariest day on trail for me. Yeah, that was a bad day for her. It Were you a, like in the middle of nowhere and he just was, falls out? Um, well, they call it a microburst, but we call it tornado. And we're running down that mountain. I could almost remember the name of that gap. Trout Creek. Trout Creek. We're running down to that gap to get, because the storm's just getting louder and louder. And we get down to that gap and we're sitting on this log. And trees was breaking, falling. The wind was crazy. Well, one of the limbs on top of the tree fell behind us. And we both jumped up out of reflex and he fell back down. But he didn't get, like, he was passed out on the ground. Oh, my God. So I thought the tree hit him. But it's just my blood pressure drops. And you, then you throw in there the whole fact of being dehydrated. Do you guys remember when we met in the 100 Mile Wilderness? I do. I, I didn't recognize you. It took us both a minute to, like. Yeah, exactly. Because I had seen you in Damascus. Like five months earlier. Like five months earlier. And I had seeing you in town versus seeing you in the woods, it took me a second. But once I got to looking at your rig, it, it started coming back to us. And then you, we got to talking. We're like, yes, we did meet in Damascus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, you had lost so much weight, I didn't really recognize you. But that hiker trash hat was yeah. like, man, I know. And then... I recognize dragonflies. Like I, I know I've seen her before. Um, but anyway, that was that was crazy. And I remember from Damascus when we first met. I saw that hat, and I was like, I've been thinking about calling this book Hiker Trash. Uh, where did you get that hat? I got it for Father's Day. She ordered it off of uh, a store off of Etsy. Yep, dragonfly got it off a store off X- Etsy. Nice. And I really don't remember the name of that store. It's been so long. <laughs> what about uh, as you as you got closer to Maine, 
did you ever have a point where you got the sensation that this is almost over and I'm not sure I'm ready for that to be over? Yes. Um, I'm going to say leaving Gorham, New Hampshire, was the last time we seen a guy that we hiked a lot of miles with. And after about three days, that's when it kind of set in. There's going to be a lot of this we're never going to see again. And then when we were at Shaw's Hiker Hostel, just the feeling that this is probably the last time most of us would be gathered up together. And Mm. we've been through a large part. By that time, you've been with the same people, like, for the most part, for a while. So you become a family. Mm -hmm. And that, it was like bittersweet because you were almost finished with something that your end goal was like there, but you were leaving the people you'd fell in love with. Right. Like just knowing that, and some of them were from like other countries. So the chances of seeing each other again were, you know, maybe not ever going to happen. It's just, it's still sad to me to think about some of the people we may not ever see again. Have you kept up with anybody? Yeah, we, we stay in touch with them. Um, social media is a big, is, yeah. is a, is a big help. Um, you know, personally text a few, um, from time to time. I think most everybody's kind of gone back into the, uh, you know, the, the working world, I guess you call it. What about after the trail? Well, let's hold up. Not after trail. What about summit day? What was that like? I cried three times on that trail. (laughs) Really? And that was one of them. Yeah. That was one of them. What were the other two? Franconial Ridge. Nice. It was uh Katahdin, Franconial Ridge, Standing Standing Indian. I kept wanting to say mm. Standing Bear, Standing Indian. Standing Indian was I had just heard so much about it. And to me the climb up Standing Indian wasn't that bad. And when we got up there and knowing the where the Standing Indian, how it got its name, mm-hmm. it was almost like I could feel the Indian warrior there with me while I was up there. That's cool. That that was that was the first, ooh, I'm here, wow moment that I had with Standing Indian. When you uh, like when you summited, did you did you guys have like a sense of like, you know? Super accomplishment, I'm a badass, or what kind of emotions were you thinking when you, you know, crested up to that sign? I definitely felt accomplishment. Badass, not so much. I still felt like, even at the very end, you're still tired at the end of your day. You're still hurting and bruised up. (laughs) But yeah, accomplishment, definitely. And I I was proud that our kids could see that we finish that trail that we started for I mean a benefit that hopefully that they look at goes the same way you just gotta stick to it I don't know when when we left that ranger station going up that trail um you know the first half I was pretty easy then you get into the bouldering did you start real early in the morning started early in the morning yep um Mm -hmm. So the, the we got up to the bouldering, and some of those boulders, I was literally having to climb up and then pull her up, and then sometimes I'd have to push her up. Yeah, and they don't was... put the rebar like for five foot people. <laughs> <laughs> so even like stretched out as high as I could stretch, I still needed a little help. That's funny. Up some of that. And once we got done with the boulder and we got where it kind of tapered off, it leveled out. We, um, I remember thinking that the last, you know, 2,190 miles was just, uh, putting a Yahtzee cannon shook up and threw out at us. That that was actually a pretty tough climb. Yeah, it was tough. You know, badass? No. 
I'm, I'm, I've, I've never felt like I was a badass not doing that. It humbled me. It's also told me that ain't nothing out there I can't do if I don't want to do it, set your mind to it. Would you say that for both of you, that accomplishment, you know, was a, was a, uh, a growth to your self-esteem that maybe you had not had before? Patience. It, yeah, I don't sweat none of the small stuff no more. It, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. I I have less doubt and some, you know, when you tell yourself, oh, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, you can. You just got to tell yourself you can and just do it. Yeah. I don't, I have a lot less self-doubt since finishing. What about when you came home after the trail? Did you have difficulties kind of adjusting back to what, you know, quote unquote normal life would be? I'm still not adjusted. Really? No. Would, Would you call it post trail depression or something else? To a point, yes, and there's some days that are worse. For me, there's days that are worse than others um, where I just, like, I don't know. Uh, it's just hard. Somebody described it not as, like, a post-trail depression, but as, like, a form of grief. Like, they grieve that experience, that person they were, you know, when they were on the trail. I, I would I would agree with that. Um I'm gonna say I've I've done better back to work than she has mentally, but I'm also a people person, so that's that's helped me a lot. Um, it's it's gave me some you know different goals to look forward to that I'm working towards. Um, the worst the worst that I had was uh the smells and the smells mm. still bother me today a lot of perfume mm. colognes like they're too strong yeah it it'll, it'll yeah it, you 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 get desensitized to all that yeah i can see that i remember you know at some point you're hiking along and you could smell a cigarette a mile away. Yep. Or somebody's just not even perfume, but just their soap. Dryer sheet, yeah. And it's like, oh, here comes a weekender. Yeah. Because they're clean and they have a, a yeah. you know, a smell. We yep. would joke and say, I smell day hikers. Because <laughs> 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 you could. Yeah. Yeah. Was it difficult or have you had difficulty? Trying to relay your experience to people at home or in your life. Yeah, nobody, unless you've done it, they don't really, they say they comprehend, they, they don't comprehend. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's common. It's, it's just no way to, I think it, it, uh, it kind of breeds a loneliness, you know, because you can't really share it fully with other people, but also, keeps that bond with the people you know that have done it. When when you're soaking wet and it's cold, everything in your pack is wet. You're doing everything you can to keep stuff dry, which is not going to happen because you're elevated in, in a mountain and a cloud come rolling through. Everything's wet. You know, uh, your tents just gained two pounds. Mm. You know, everything's just gained weight. And you're miserable, and you're freezing, and you love every bit of it. I'm. It's hard to say. It's hard for people that haven't done it to understand. I miss that. Mm. I wish I was doing it right now. Like just the mental challenge of getting through it or, or having a difficulty in front of you that you're going to overcome? I think. One thing is you get back to what you like humans are just meant to survive. And like in the real world, it's like, I don't know. When you're out there, your your main goal is like getting to your destination, your food and water, your next water source. And it's just basic survival. And that's what we were meant for. We weren't meant 
to be sitting in traffic for two hours and sitting inside a little square office smelling the person next to you's perfume <laughs> we was, that you uh, don't like. <laughs> we was just before Rome Mountain, and, uh, man, it was raining. It, it was raining bad. And it, I forgot how many people. We, we was all crammed in that shelter. I mean, we you couldn't lay in that shelter and not touch the person beside <laughs> that. We were just cramped, and it was soaking oh, wet. Oh, it was horrible. And as the evening, you know, as it, the evening got later, people were still coming in. There wasn't no room in the shelter. And Solo ended up putting his tent up out in the where you eat, you know, at the steps of the shelter. But he was under the under the roof. Um, we got up next morning, everything's soaking wet, and we hike out and we climb our own mountain. And when we got up top; the sun was shining, mm. and we walked down. We there was a uh, I forgot the state park that was over to the side, but uh, there was a parking lot, and they had one restroom that was unlocked at Carver Gap. It was right before Ron Mountain. There's an old the old motel where the old motel site used to be. If you walk down past the old motel, it's gone now. There's a parking lot, and it might have been Carver Gap. I'm not, I can't remember. We strung. We had that parking lot. We had everything okay, out there. We had that. We was in that bathroom. That was the best feeling, sitting out there, just baking in the sun, drying everything mm-hmm. out. Yeah. We sat there about three hours, didn't we? Nice. Yeah. But that, during that time, also, the trail was like ankle-deep in water. You oh, just yeah. slodging through it. We've been wet, yeah. So it, it, you just don't even try to keep your feet dry at that point? I mean, you try all you want to, but you're not going to succeed. I mean, if you're lucky, by the time you get to camp, your feet will be dry. You'll just walk them dry, but yeah. When you got home, did you do anything different to stay, I don't know, active or keep hiking or anything to like kind of keep the the vibe going? No. Just went right back to work? Yep. That's, uh, and uh, it sucks, but. You know, life. If if the scariest thing is to make that step, you know, I know what I want to do. I know what we want to do. You talking about next or in the beginning? As soon as trail was over with. Oh. I wanted to go and do these seasonal jobs and mm. nomad live and... live in the moment you know but we got kids we got grandkids life yeah. yeah you know so we're working for hopefully to do that in the next few years well that is that a dramatic or drastic future hope change from what it would have been if you had not hiked that bludgeon trail like do you think you would have got to the point where like oh yeah i just want to go live on the road if you oh, had not yeah. done the trail. The trail definitely made that decision. Yeah, that, I don't the, think that would have come in our brain if we haven't done the trail. No, and and I, I see it done. I know it can be done. Like I said, it's just the scary part is taking that step. Yeah. That's the scary part. I mean, you're saying that after we took a step under that archway and decided to stay gone for six months. Yeah, I mean, it's, you've already taken, you've, you've already, already know, you already know how to do it. Yeah. And you already know that if you do it, you can make it. It's gonna. So it's just a matter of like one little chain left for you to break. We had, uh, we had a plan, and I know I'm talking circles, but I mean we we did we had a plan. We planned for four almost five years. We had got the money right for us to do the Appalachian Trail. You know. I guess in my mind, I want the money to be right to do our next adventure. Well, that's smart. I mean, you know, a lot of people do it like I did and had no money or plan. And <laughs> and, and that's, what, that's what I'm meaning is the scary part. Yeah. I know it can be done. It's just. So you said you need to work like two more years and then you can go. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on about two more years. Will that be a permanent 
lifestyle change? Or are you going to go like do something adventurous and then come back and do some work and then go do something adventurous? I'm planning on in two years to do the, uh, I'm going to say work for stay. The, like camp host. Like camp host. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or seasonal jobs. Um, you know, I I went and got a new truck, and I researched, and I mean, I got that truck for the reason to, you know, get a, uh, like an Overland style camper mm-hmm. shell on the back. Yeah. You could be a, like a Instagram influencer out there making videos in your underwear. <laughs> I don't wear underwear. <laughs> That's soccer trash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so think about when you first started, you didn't have much experience or knowledge or know like what it really take would take to complete that task. Um, what kind of things would you say to other people that are out there with, you know, who have the desire that, but not the experience, so they have some fear, or they're in a lifestyle and a job where they want to change, but they're also afraid to do that. You know, what kind of advice would you give to people who are just seeking advice, encouragement, warnings about doing something like this? The Appalachian Trail will train you every state has its own challenges you're going to go through different climates of the year you know, you know a lot of people starting march april you're 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 starting before spring you catch spring in virginia you hit the drought in new york the trail will train you you can train you can prep Research your gear, and it's still a trial and error. You got to buy it and try it. Some stuff we bought didn't work. Some stuff we bought worked better than we thought it was going to work. But we spent a lot of time researching gear. A lot of time. Yeah, we had almost five years. We had over four years in this. So would you buy buy a pack and use it and say, "Nah, send it back or buy another one"? Or like, what kind of things did you? No. We just did a lot of research. You know, we, I pretty much knew, had dialed it in to where I was at. And, you know, my first pack, um, uh, it worked. It worked with me all the way up to Front Royal, Virginia. And I changed to what the pack itself wasn't bad. It's just, I think my body had changed and I was actually toting more food by then. So I went with a pack. I changed from a Z-Pack to a Gregory just because a Gregory would hold a little bit more poundage on me. She still got her same pack. So we didn't we didn't buy My packs. Ready for another trail. Yeah, we didn't buy packs <laughs> and 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 trial and error on them. Um we just we just researched. And you know, researched people our body size, you know. Kind of what weight was looking to be toting, and went with that. What about on the uh, the the emotional, mental side? Because a lot of people have done this with very little experience, and they're fine. They go on YouTube, buy whatever they're told to buy. They start hiking, and like you said, if you start hiking, you'll figure it out. But the like mental and emotional challenges. How? What advice would you give to people in terms of like getting through those challenges? Yeah. Uh, if you're having a bad day, go into town. Go into town. You know whether you get a motel room, stay at a hostel. Go into town, eat a cheeseburger. It really. <laughs> It really helps. <laughs> what about you, Dragonfly? I would say that I didn't make this saying up, but I heard it on trail and it makes sense. Never quit on a bad day. Right. Do not quit on a bad day. You're going to have bad days, definitely. Don't, don't even think about quitting. Uh, it, it, 
Quinton never come into our. Yeah, Quinton never even played a factor for it. I mean, was I miserable and I questioned what in the hell am I doing out here? Yeah, several but times. Usually, yeah, if you go into town, like even the first day, like you're ready to go back. You're ready to go back to the trail. Like it, it, it makes things go, you... going to town. It makes things better. Yeah. I heard someone say uh, that they saw a lot of people who were physically capable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think most anybody is physically capable. If you start out I slow, so, you, yeah. you will, you have the ability to make it. Um, but, you know, people that were physically capable to finish a trail but didn't because of, you know, a mental or emotional things that they couldn't overcome. And, you know, some people have money troubles or something happens at home or they get injured or whatever. But aside from that, you know, for no other reason, they leave the trail due to some kind of mental or emotional uh, struggles that they're just not able to, you know, conquer. Yeah, the um, yeah home can get to a lot of people out there. Um, you know, we hike with people that they had to go home because of a parent. You know, understandable. You know, I'm not knocking it. Um, and, you know, some some left early on because of injuries. You know, about halfway through it, some just got homesick. They wasn't having no fun. Um, or like I said, a family emergency at home. So I think one thing though, we had each other. So it's hard for us to comprehend somebody who's by themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I mean it's hard for us to give advice to someone who's alone because we had each other. So like he said earlier, if one of us was having a bad day, the other one would compensate, encourage or whatever. If you're alone, you don't have that person doing that for you. Which, on the Appalachian Trail, you're almost 99% going to meet somebody right away that hikes your pace. You're never going to be all the way alone. But as far as family, we had each other, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's valuable. That's a, you know, like I said before, I think it's rare. I don't know how rare it is, but, uh, you know, to have that that person with you that can help you along the way when you're down is, is super helpful. So what else? Anything else that you guys want to share, tell, story, advice? I miss everybody that we come in contact with out mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, I mean, we Ronnie, we talk about you a lot because we <laughs> run into you right there, you know, at the end. Um, and it was pretty awesome to be in the 100 Mile Wilderness and see a Georgia license plate. Yeah, that day in the Hundred Mile Wilderness was a very pivotal, pivotal, and important day for me as well. You know, I'd blown off reservations to go to Acadia National Park to stay with the project because I didn't want to leave it for a few days, and uh, I'd already driven into Millinocket to, you know, go to Acadia, and then I just changed my mind. I said, I'm not going. So that's when I went to the grocery store and bought Trail Magic stuff and then went out back to the 100 mile. And that's when I met you guys. But I, uh, as I wrapped up this project, you know, it was so, I spent a whole year working on this thing. Uh, So as I began to wrap it up and put the book together and get it printed, I had some like post trail sadness or something. It's like, I don't want to walk away. I don't want to leave this community, this project, these people, but you know, I probably should go do a different project next, but I don't want to. Um, the, I completely the, understand. The, uh, the trail magic being a trail angel after hiking a trail. That has really, that's gave me a blessing to pay it forward. You guys have been doing some? We have. We have went to uh, Woody's Gap. Uh, Stokoa. We went to Woody's Gap, Neil's Gap. And, of course, we picked Stokoa because that was, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. one of our first hard days on trail. Yep, yep. Stokoa. I showed up, had a 
couple of coolers. I had uh, Coke, Mountain Dew, Diet Coke. And a lot of people that do the Trail Magic, they don't have Diet Coke. And there's actually a lot of people that like Diet Coke. So I've learned with Dragonfly, because she's a Diet Coke drinker, that we would always have Diet Coke. Anyway, um, but you know, when you come out of the, when you when you come out of the road crossing and you see somebody sitting there with a cooler, yeah, man, it just picks your spirits up. Yep. So you know, paying it paying it forward, that's been a that's been a really good treat for us. Yeah, I when I was on the trail a long time ago, ninety three, no shuttles, no cell phone. Uh, the only trail magic was somebody left some sodas in a creek. And we would just kind of uh, hang out at a campground and people would, like, give us something or whatever. But it wasn't like it is today. But the, in doing the trail magic that I've been involved with, and, like, this next Easter will be the third year at Wyabald for a friend of mine who has made that her thing and, you know, elected me to make it my thing too, you know. Uh, but the people that I've met, doing trail magic have been so appreciative like people from why ball just that one easter sunday the all those people in the hundred mile wilderness and other places it's like automatic acceptance into their heart and trail family you know it's really it's really interesting but it's really cool too because um i've stayed in touch with all those people you know a lot of them there's something special about a soda or a little Debbie cake on trail. Yeah. Something you, you wouldn't normally out. eat. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it also gave a a place to get hikers to pause, hang out, chill out, so I can have an authentic conversation with them instead of feeling like a salesman at a trail, at a road crossing yeah. going, hey, I'm working on a project. <laughs> you know, would you pose? <laughs> Um, and things like that. So it, it was helpful in that regard. And hut. Man, there were so many times I was just kind of overwhelmed with like, I don't want to go up and talk to somebody. I feel weird. I feel insecure. I don't want to do it. And then there's hut, you know, pulling his way over to him. My my takeaway from the whole adventure we did was uh, there's some really good people in this world. Renee and North Adams. Massachusetts took us in, slept in her backyard. She fed us that night. Um, I mean, I—I I, I don't even think we could. It would take way too long. It would, t- yeah. To tell you, how many people we met along the way, and it helped us. Yeah, Ump in uh, Marysville, Pennsylvania, picked us up, took us in. So you will continue the trail magic stuff on your end? We will definitely continue that. We knew that before we even finished the trail that we were going to give back and pay it forward because it meant a lot. My hope is that this podcast is popular enough to grow to a point where we can get some paid advertisers because what I would like to do is kind of redo the book project as a podcast and, and kind of go up and down the trail different places and, you know, do interviews and meet hostel owners and things like that. So fingers crossed. Yeah, that would be a good idea because there's there's the hostel owners. There's there's great ones. Um, that you know we we encountered just wonderful people from from trail angels to hikers to people that had no idea and they just seen some homeless person with a backpack and they said, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like the lady. We had one hit, hitch, and it was an elderly lady, and he got in the front, I got in the back, and she took one sniff and said, <laughs> maybe this was a bad idea. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so funny. Yeah, that was, we hitched into Lyme, New Hampshire, and that lady was questioning whether she made the right decision or uh, not. That's funny. Well, I want to thank you guys for being on the podcast and sharing your experience, up and downs. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of people out there will be able to glean some wisdom and advice from that. 
Well, thank we, you for having yeah, us. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you. we want to thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Hiker Trash Podcast. If you'd like to support this project, you can go buy a coffee table book or a fine art print. You can do it at our website, localexposuremagazine.com. You can show some love to Scott Lowe. He provided the music for today's episode. You can find him on Instagram at Scott Lowe Songs. Hey, if you enjoy this, tell someone. Send them a text, make a post, talk about it. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.